Well, it's great to be back. I was here a couple of months ago with my good friend Adrian Bill. Uh, who was in that meeting? A lot of you, which is good. Great. Brilliant. Uh, we, uh, we do have a base here in the Gold Coast, so we do regularly come to the Gold Coast since last year. And uh, I, uh, I haven't had a chance to explain a little bit how God has opened the door with my ministry. And I think I feel to do that beforehand so you can have a uh, some sort of grasp and some understanding of, of what I do and what the, what the ministry looks like and uh, I didn't actually ask for it it just just happened uh, the whole prophetic ministry and, and the dream interpretation as well can I have this up a little bit just a little just a tad if I can thanks and uh, I'm going to do some demonstration probably halfway through the meeting I'm going to do some prophetic demonstration maybe some dream interpretations but I just want to qualify a few things before I do some demonstration but I just want to start off just to share a little bit about how it all happened with myself and how Adrian Bill came into the equation Adrian Bill is a co-author of the book that I've written called the divinity code to understanding your dreams and visions and uh that's taken, some of you probably know this, but it's taken five years to put the book together. This is it here. It looks like a doorstop, but uh, it actually has uh, a dictionary of five, sorry, 3,000 metaphors and the average of 10 to 15 scriptures per metaphor. So it's a lot of work in it. It's taken five years to put together, but uh, God has just opened the door for this, and this has become, it actually a couple of times hit number one Pentecostal best-selling book throughout the world. And uh, God has done this, and I give God the glory for this. It's got nothing to do with me. It's just I just give God the glory for that. And yes, something good can can come from Adelaide. Amen. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but I just want to just give a, a little bit of a testimony how I started in this. And I was a businessman, and I got born again in 1986. And uh, I became a successful businessman, but I became completely burnt out and I was caught up with the love of money and uh, what happens with a lot of uh, believers not all but some you know they get born again they get married and all of a sudden they become workaholics and uh, that's what happened to me and I hit depression and I'm not going to go into the details of, of what happened because it's going to it can take a good 45 minutes to go through the testimony but I'll give a very short version of it but what happened is 1998 I hit depression and uh and I, my marriage was in trouble and everything was falling apart. But I, had a, I, I was sitting on a good amount of money. I was uh, quite wealthy in the mid-90s. Uh, I, I, you know, at being in my 30s, I had a several million dollars. And God really blessed me that w in, with that money. But it was actually kind of, I had a mentality of being self-made. And I didn't really realize that God actually gave it to me. And uh, I was caught, caught up in the business world. But what happened was I had this visitation of Jesus in my living room. And there's a detailed, you can get the book called The Supernatural Man if you want to get that off in Kurong or you can get it online on Amazon. It gives the detailed testimony of what happened to me. But when I had this visitation with the Lord in the living room, I was in a place of complete rock bottom emotionally and mentally. I was depressed. And... The Lord asked me a question when he was standing before me. It was just simple and basic. He said, what would you like me to do for you? And I did ask for wisdom. I was thinking, of, my mind was going over, on over, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was in turbo mode. It was, it was going overload. 
and I was thinking about so many things. When the Lord God stands there, when Jesus stands there and says, what do you want me to do for you? A lot of things go through your mind. And one of them was, and I can't believe I actually thought about it, I, I wanted to ask, I thought I could ask for more money. <laughs> but what happened was that uh, I had this impartation and when I went away after this encounter that night, I went into my, my office in my house, I had this den and I was looking for my Bible. I, have, I haven't read my Bible for years, that's how far away I was from God. I used to go on, ch go to church on Sundays and pay homage and do all the sort of, sort of the Pentecostal sort of thing, all the reenactments of everything. But uh, I really was, my heart wasn't with God. So what I did was, I, I I tried to find a Bible and I actually found a Bible and I went back to the place where the Lord was standing, and I opened it up, and as I was reading, this is what I read. It says, "Because you didn't ask for silver and gold," and I thought, "Wow, you obviously knew my thoughts on that one." All the life of my enemies, but you ask for wisdom, and wisdom I grant you. And I just dropped, remember dropping the Bible, and I was just weeping, and I was up all night, just completely freaked out. And, you know, really, I was stoked because God gave me this word, and I asked for wisdom, and He granted me this wisdom. And uh, I was so excited, I couldn't sleep. I mean, if you had this encounter with the Lord standing in the in your living room and you ask for wisdom and he gives it to you and i didn't realize i was that way from god that far away from god i forgot even about the scripture when when even when solomon asked for wisdom and i forgot about that and i opened it up to that exact scripture and i read it and i had this impartation and what happened was trying to tell my wife in the middle of the night that god appeared to me and gave me wisdom and let me tell you that doesn't go down too well you know and then I couldn't sleep because all night I was kind of like a prairie dog, you know, sort of, you know, I, I just, I was hyped up and, and my, ki my wife was preparing the kids lunch for school because my children were toddlers back then. And I was just freaked out. I said, look, I said, I said, honey, God appeared to me last night and he gave me wisdom. And my wife just is ignoring me. And uh, so I was sort of kind of, you know, really excited about this and I, <laughs> And as I was meditating on this, you know, for another couple of hours, I started to get a little bit prideful, like, wow, you know, whew, God's given me wisdom. You know, and I remember walking, it's almost like the, you know, the, the movie, uh, the Jim Carrey movie, I've got the power, you know, sort of like that. Uh, I go to work and I get all my staff and I get everybody in the lunchroom. So everybody, I just got, the, uh, something happened to me last night. God appeared to me and gave me wisdom. All right? And I want you to all write it down, everybody. <laughs> it didn't go down too well. So what happened was about three weeks later, I was making the most dumbest decisions you can ever make. Things were getting worse. And I remember one of my operations manager that was in, because I had an advertising agency, was one of my companies, and she's sort of going, wisdom, huh? <laughs> I, was doing, I was like becoming like one of those guys from Dumb and Dumber, if you know what I mean. And uh, things were getting worse, but I was actually really sort of, I knew I had this encounter from God. And instead of being disappointed or shrinking back or uh, feel like I just, you know, maybe I, it was just me or maybe I just lost my mind, I just started to seek God more. Because I had these companies in place back then and they were operating autonomously. I had management and staff on staff. And then I was seeking God because I knew I had, I had the Lord Jesus stand before me. 
Long story short, I had this massive impartation that hit me in the same little room uh, where I found my Bible in my office. I was seeking God for days, and this impartation hit me like a Hawaiian wave. And I never really knew what it was all about. And I, had, I was quite a bit oblivious to the whole Toronto blessing back then. But I, I got hit with such an impartation. I was rolling around on the floor for days laughing my head off and praying in tongues. I, just, I was just lying on the floor going, <laughs> just, just laughing uncontrollably, just praying in tongues. <laughs> just like in this room for days. And I thought it was locational. I thought maybe it was just that room. I remember coming out of the room, and I said to my wife, you go in that room, you fall over, and you'll just start laughing. And she went, I'm not going in there. And I'll go back in there, for days, you know. And then my wife would have some friends over for cups of tea. And as they're sitting there having cups of tea, there's a psychotic carnival clown in the next room. Just laughing your heads. I mean, they went, what's going on? And then my wife goes, just forget about him. <laughs> but what happened is I was praying in tongues and laughing in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, I found out after that, that a woman called Heidi Baker was really having struggles with her ministry. She wasn't really having a breakthrough. But she went to a place called Toronto and she had this massive impartation she just she was completely whacked in the Holy Ghost, and they had to push her around, I believe, for about a week or two in a wheelchair because she was so drunk in the Holy Ghost, she couldn't walk. But then you go, where's the fruit in that? Well, let me say this, that 10,000 churches later that she planted, that's the fruit. You know what I mean? So what happened with me, I couldn't stop speaking in tongues, so I was just praying in the Holy Spirit, and this is not an exaggeration. And I probably would have done some things a little bit different uh, if I had to do it all over again because you sort of work things out as you go. But I prayed in tongues. Uh, I was so passionate and I had such a revelation what it is to speak in tongues. I prayed in tongues for two years. I prayed in tongues uh, six hours a day, five days a week for two years. And I just, and the reason why I did that because I saw the opportunity, I had a window of opportunity. I had my businesses running autonomously and I just thought I just had this revelation of what it is to speak in tongues and I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. I just walked the streets for two years. Now you might think this is crazy but it's not an exaggeration because you can ask my wife because she's a great exaggeration thermometer. You can ask her. She'll tell you I walked the streets for two years. Just a bit like you know how Forrest Gump couldn't stop running? Well, I couldn't stop praying in tongues for two years. Just shut up. Just walking the streets, praying in tongues, sitting in the park with the homeless people, praying for people, laying hands on them, getting them saved. And then I'm walking through the, the Rundle Mall in the Adelaide. And I start seeing visions of, oh, you need healing. You have this issue. Yeah, that's right. They get healed. You know what I mean? So I, just, I, would, pray, I would do this for two years, walking the streets, praying in tongues, and let me say this, if you read Romans 8, 26, 27, it says we utter groans that words cannot express and the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf in a, to the Father in accordance to God's will. Now I want to ask you the question today, 
Who wants the will of God in their life? Do you want the will of God in your life? Well, I believe it's time for the Pentecostal churches to start praying in tongues. It's time to start praying in the Holy Ghost because it changed my life. And I've said this before when we were fellowshipping earlier. I would not be traveling the world, seeing the miraculous full-time ministry and seeing the dead raised, seeing people coming out of the comas and canceling funerals. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't pray in tongues for that season. Seriously. Now, Paul the Apostle said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And he wrote 25% of the New Testament. He had revelation. And what happened was, when I asked for wisdom, I thought I was going to be an intellectual genius. But that didn't sort of work out right for me. You know, that didn't work out. Okay, but I thought I was going to be like that. And my wife went, no, you're not. That didn't, that that's definitely didn't happen with you. All right? But what happened was that I had this ability, I had these encounters, and I, I got so many encounters, you could read about some of them in, in some of my books. There's another one called From Heaven to Earth. But I had these heavenly encounters where I had this intimacy with God. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're actually changing yourself from the flesh into the spirit realm. And you start walking in the counsel of God. You start lining, up with, lining yourself up with the gate. And who is the gate? Jesus. And I was just saying earlier that Jeremiah, when he went to declare the word of the Lord, the Lord said, go to the temple gate in, in Jeremiah 7 and declare the word of the Lord. Even though that happened literally, there is kind of a, 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 there's a prophetic sign in that, that in the new covenant. God wants us to go to the gate, who is Jesus, and start declaring the word of the Lord from Jesus' perspective. Amen? That's what happens. That's what happens when we're praying in the Spirit. And what happened with me, I started, my whole DNA changed. Now, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up today, but Paul mentioned about me putting Bible verses on buses and billboards. and every, My whole DNA changed when I was praying in tongues. I used to have a drive for money. My love was money, I'll, I'll be honest with you. But praying in tongues around about... A year into it, I started losing the desire. I just, my whole outlook changed. My DNA, even I got healed from a sickness. Though so many people prayed for me, and you know, even the great ones, and I never could never get healed. But when I prayed in tongues, about eight months into it, I was healed. Because when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's doing a scan. He knows what you want better than what you need, or what you want, I should say. He knows what you need more than what you want. And task praying is great, but I task pray more for other people. But I usually, when you task pray for yourself, you always put little few things like, you know, I'll add a Ferrari to the bottom of the list, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're a little bit selfish, you know what I mean? But when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit scans you, and he knows what you need more than what you want. Does that make sense? And he will give you things. And what happened is things that started to break off my life and I just got healed dramatically without even just anybody laying hands on me. And what happened was I just lost so much desire for money. I just, I had money and I thought, I'm just going to spend it. And the Lord showed me about Jesus wept, a revelation of Jesus wept. See, Jesus wept. He took upon a curse on the cross, the separation for the Father came upon him so that we can be 
completely united and be completely full of joy and be out of control, hysterical, laughing of joy because there's nothing wrong with the joy of heaven. And I had this revelation when I had this joy that hit me because in hell, unfortunately, people were weeping and crying. But in heaven, there's a massive party of joy. Did you know that? And when heaven touches you, you're full of joy. You're full of just, you know, the joy around you, and it becomes contagious. And so what I did, I just started secretly, anonymously spending my money. I mean, I would have done some things a bit differently, but sort of kind of like spending money, (laughs) just putting billboards out there. And it wasn't just Jesus wept. I had other billboards, you know, whoever confesses with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you are saved. I had all these, I, I, I kind of, Someone said, you paper mache Adelaide with Bible verses. I did, like in, in bus shelters, 150 buses, commercial buses, billboards. And what happened was the talkback ABC radio went, who is this idiot? <laughs> like, what's going on? And they were mocking me. And some woman, and someone gave me the recording of it, but some woman rang up and said, you know, shame on you, men. My friend had a son that was suicide, saw one of those billboards, and it changed his life. This is, this is on the talkback radio. And people were going, who is this guy? And it was even a billboard behind the goalpost at Amy Stadium in Adelaide, Aussie Rule you know, Football Stadium. And it had Jesus wet right behind the ball. <laughs> behind the... Yeah, and when every time you kick a goal... Millions of people would see Jesus wept. <laughs> and it was on the footy show where they said, yeah, Essendon and lost. And yeah, it wouldn't be just Jesus weeping either. That's what, they, <laughs> that's what they said, you know, and it was quite funny. But, um, and I got that for $5,000 because one tell, remember, who remembers one tell when it went broke? That was a billboard for $50,000 for the season. They went broke and they said, you know what? Um, <clears throat> this is for $10,000. So I managed to negotiate and I got the billboard for $5,000 for the whole season. So God really provided. But, you know, but that's what I did. I just couldn't, I couldn't stop spending money as well on this because I just wanted to, I just wanted to just uh, give my money to God somehow. And I did that. And there was a lot of fruit and testimony. So many testimonies came out afterwards. But what happened was, they eventually found me, the media. They found me. And they sort of there was actually media in my office, and they took photos of me and they were like interviewing me, and I was on the front page of the advertiser, of a man spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, big billboard. But they had all these really good photos of me, but they happened to pick the one with me with my lazy eye. On the front cover, <laughs> you know, the one with my lazy eye. Like Adam, his cheese slipped off his cracker, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, it actually hit the media. But anyway, that's just besides the point. But I actually couldn't stop spending money because I actually sort of lost the desire through praying in tongues. I lost the desire to spend money. Uh, sorry, to actually to make money, excuse me. Right? So what happened was that my whole DNA changed. But let me say this. I asked for wisdom... And the wisdom that came upon me through the intimacy with God was to uh, somehow I started to understand people's dreams. 
So towards the end of the time of me praying in tongues, I'd be sitting in a cafeteria, and I'd sit there, they used to give me free coffee because they felt sorry for me, you know, you know what I mean? And I overhear somebody's dream, and I go, hey, you know, I know what that means. And I give the interpretation, and they go, how did you know that? That's actually, wow, who are you? How did you know? I went, well, what, is it, what it is is actually I, um, I really, um, I don't quite know why I get that. <laughs> I had no idea, but what it was was God giving me the wisdom to discern the mysteries of heaven. See, Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar, and before he stood before Nebuchadnezzar, it says God gave him wisdom and his friends. And when Nebuchadnezzar interviewed Daniel and his friends, they found he interviewed Daniel and his friends, and he found that these men were ten times more wiser than the soothsayers and the magicians and the enchanters. So God gave Daniel the wisdom to discern dreams, the mysteries of dreams. And I believe Daniel, people like Daniel and Joseph were pro- prototypes in the Old Testament of what the body of Christ has looked like, looks like today. Amen? So what happened is uh, I thought I was going to be intellectual genius, but God gave me the wisdom to understand the language of heaven. And it is a language. And, you know, Jesus said something in the Gospels. It's interesting. In the book of Luke, he's, he's talking about Solomon. And he's talking about the queen of the south coming to hear the great wisdom of Solomon and all his array of glory, you know, with riches. And, but Jesus said something interesting. He said, but there's one greater than Solomon here. And he's talking about himself. And that one greater than Solomon, I found out, is inside of all of us and can be unlocked. And as Paul was talking this morning, as he was sharing and teaching this morning, that God laid down his life as a man so we can be possessed by him. We can be incarnated with Christ. Or Christ incarnate, I should say. Am, am I making sense? So the one greater than Solomon lives inside of you. He lives in all of us. And I thought that I was going to be the guru, but it turned out that we all can have this gift. Does that make sense? So God empowered me to have understanding with dreams and visions, and I was kind of a forerunner in Australia. Now there's other, um, like I said, there's... Um, I was saying earlier that there's people like John Paul Jackson and uh, there's Doug Addison and a, and a friend of mine, Barbie Brethard, who in America who, who do dream interpretations. But in Australia, uh, I was kind of the pioneer to, have a, to bring a breakthrough with dreams and visions. And initially, they thought I was a heretic. They thought I was operating in divination. And uh, it can be a very controversial subject. But it's not just about dreams and visions. It's about the body of Christ becoming prophetic. Am I making sense? Now, my mandate, and this is why I really uh, am blessed to be here and work with Ben and Jess, and my mandate is for the body of Christ corporately to have a prophetic voice. Okay, and let me say this, 
dreams and visions is a means to an end. An end in itself is having an intimate relationship with God. Okay? So it's one thing to have the gift. Now, I had a prophetic gift. We can all have gifts. We can have a gift in art, music. We can have many gifts. But uh, there's so many people who have sporting gifts in the world, but their lives and their character can be messed up. And the same principle applies when it comes with the prophetic. You could have a prophetic gift in the body of Christ, but your heart might be out of whack. It might not be in the right place. You might be operating out of the soulish realm. You might be oper operating out of manipulation and control. And one of the biggest errors for the, for the body of Christ is they resist the prophetic giftings because of the, because of the immature prophets that are in that are amongst us am i making sense so there's a lot of immature prophets that are operating immaturely and some of the pastors freaked out and they get spooked and they throw the baby out with the bathwater. and my mandate is to equip the body to be prophetic and for prophets to rise up with maturity but that comes with with the wisdom of god see let me say this, when, when um, Joseph stood before Pharaoh, he had a gift to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. Now that gave him his freedom. Okay, the gift gave him his freedom and he would have been, fr he would have been like released and he can go back living his normal life. But what happened was that the wisdom that he had with the dream interpretation gave the solution to the problem and actually gave Joseph the whole nation. So I'll say that again. The gift gave him his freedom, but the wisdom gave Joseph the whole nation. And I really believe that Joseph is a prototype for what the body of Christ is going to look like corporately. Because this is a... An incredible era we're living in is changing dramatically it's changing very fast all right and if the church remains the way it is now it will come under persecution and I don't, I don't mean to be negative sometimes a prophetic word can be pretty serious like this all right and I'm speaking not out of ministering as the spirit of prophecy out of edification I'm speaking out of the office of a prophet right now. If the church doesn't change and change their thinking and start moving in the realm, in a governmental realm like Joseph and Daniel did, then we're going to come under persecution. We will scatter. And I'm saying this because things like political correctness, the way the world is changing with postmodernism, and um, the way it is all changing with... Uh, uh, the way with, with immigration, and there's nothing wrong with immigration, but they're allowing other religions to come in, and uh, this political correctness is allowing other religions to have influence over governments before the church does. Am I making sense? There's nothing wrong with immigration, right? Legal immigration, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that when there's a, a religions that come in and have influence greater than, than the Christianity or than the body of Christ, then that's a problem. And I really believe it's time for the, for the church to rise up prophetically 
and have influence over governments and over, uh, over rulers and political leaders. Amen? Now, I'm going to do some demonstration in a moment, but I just wanted to just give a bit more qualification before I do some demonstration. There's the spirit of prophecy can come upon the church and I want to encourage this especially here I want to encourage the spirit of prophecy to come and, and, and during the worship and, and allow it to come and and for people to step out and to give a, a prophetic word and that's that's in the arena as it mentions in 1st Corinthians 14 where you bring a, a encouraging word for edification to build up the body okay and I want to encourage the body of Christ to do that. But also there are prophets and in time as you work with the pastor and you build relationship, there's prophets that can rise up and be watchmen the, on the wall, can be watchmen in the church. And when I say that, it's very important to have prophets that are watchmen. And when I say that because when I was... I've been a pastor for nine years at Field of Dreams Church. I don't know if anybody have heard of a church called Field of Dreams. I was a pastor for nine years, okay? But also I was a prophet and I was a watchman on the wall. And if there was no prophetic giftings or no operation of the office of a prophet in that church, let me tell you, Field of Dreams wouldn't exist today. Because what happened is my role was to be sensitive and be in prayer at, through dreams and visions and through other people's dreams and visions, it revealed some demonic plans. It revealed an Absalom spirit. It revealed the Jezebel spirit, times where there was a Jezebel spirit rising up and there were some political animals in the church that tried to tear the church apart and tried to steal sheep. But let me tell you, God will give us warnings and God will give us the heads up for us to go in and govern. All right? When I say govern is to bring correction and to bring, sometimes you need to bring rebuke and bring a solution to the problem. Okay? See, the office of a prophet and a watchman within the community of a church, and it needs to be in relationship with the leaders, but also brings protection. So there's two different things. So when the Spirit of God comes upon corporately, and you're all prophetic and you prophesy, it doesn't mean that you're a prophet. It means you're actually prophesying where the corporate spirit of God that's coming down, it's descending, and you edify the body. But there's some significant believers and significant uh, prophets that are, get, that are raised up and operating in a governmental role to protect the church. Am I making sense? There's two different things. And I think it's something I want to encourage you to embrace and uh, allow some prophets to sort of demonstrate but at the same time you have the ability to be able to, as leaders to step in and say look that that needs correction that wasn't off from god that wasn't from god or that was from god as mentions it in first corinthians 14 i really believe it's important for prophets to have a go amen but at the same time in love with the father's heart that we need correction amen now let me say this this is what a true prophet looks like and a false prophet okay a false prophet if he comes into a church or comes into a community and ministers a false prophet 
can be very accurate. And Pastor Paul, or the Apostle Paul here, was talking, <laughs> was sharing about how Satan can give a word, but he can be in a wrong spirit. Okay? Well, a prophet can come in and release a word and can be even accurate with his words of knowledge. Okay? But, but a false prophet looks like this. People are drawn to him to, as a point of worship. People are drawn to him as an idol. Okay? Yeah, and what happens is that they're looking to him kind of as a guru and he's not teaching anybody how to do it. And that can come into the error and come into the cross over the boundaries into a cult. Am I making sense this afternoon? So this is what I want to just encourage you with. This is how you identify a true and false prophet. A false prophet will not teach anybody how to do it and will always be a point of worship. And they'll look to this person, he or she, as a point of worship or as an idol. All right? Now, a true prophet will minister and can be accurate, but you'll sense the weight behind it. You'll sense the heart of the Father behind it. But also, not only the heart of the Father, he'll operate, he'll operate in a way where it'll be like a father speaking to a child and it'll be full of edification, but at the same time, he will bring correction in love and it'll be done in the right spirit. But also, when someone's, when a corporate body's looking to him, he will not see himself as a point of worship. He'll lead you all into the presence of God and into worshiping the King of glory. Am I making sense? That's what a true prophet looks like. He says, no, 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 don't look to me. He leads you into the presence of God. Amen? And that's how you identify the two. It's very important because... I, um, I've learnt this by making mistakes. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes, okay? Because I've been disciplined by the Lord, and, and as Paul was sharing this morning about discipline, discipline from the Lord is a blessing, okay? Now, people think that you need to be disciplined for salvation. That's actually got nothing to do with salvation. Discipline has nothing to do with salvation because salvation is a gift, if you receive a gift from God, do you think he's going to take it back off you? You can throw it away. You can throw it away, but he will never take it off you. But you can throw it away by a hardened heart. And that's why it says in the scriptures, guard your heart. Okay, because you can throw it away. That's why, which is interesting, with Job's wife said to Job, why don't you just curse God and die? You can throw it away and curse God. God will never take it off you. But discipline, I take discipline as a blessing because when you read Hebrews 12, discipline, God disciplines us like a father disciplines his son. And discipline is there for us to mature so that we can stand in the arena and not fall on our sword or self-sabotage our life. Am I making sense? So God wants us to, to actually have a destiny. He wants us to fulfill the destiny he has for us and he wants us to be successful and he wants us to be ambassadors of the kingdom so that we can stand in the arena and represent him and then at the end it's well done good and faithful so don't be discouraged when god disciplines you he disciplines me all the time i'm actually a bit of a lad really 
No, I am. I'm, I, and, and God will discipline me, but I always relish it. I always say, yes, sir. I take that. I do. Because God, he, I'm his son. And I want to encourage you that um, if you're getting discipline and God's chastising you, that's actually a good thing. All right? Now, I just want to speak a little bit before I move in the gifts. I want to speak about warnings. I was talking about warnings just beforehand. And warnings are a blessing as well. So you might have a dream. You might have a dream that might seem like a nightmare. But it, it's actually not the enemy tormenting you. So you might have a dream, and it might be a nightmare, but what it is, what it can be, is God revealing the plans of the enemy ahead of time. Okay, so God can give you a warning. See, what happened is a woman in the ministry high up contacted me on Skype, Adrian and I, and she said, oh, I had a dream that my son died on this date. June the 3rd and I said okay and she said I'm just really freaked out and I rang some other prophet and this can be the immaturity of other prophets the other prophet went oh that's not good <laughs> that's bad and the poor girl was like a poodle in a thunderstorm you know freaking out she's like oh, and all that does with the fear that she has is inviting demons. And in fact, witches operate in that realm. So witches, see a friend of mine, a friend of mine actually told me the story before he was born again. He said, I went to a party and they hired a clairvoyant. And the clairvoyant was, they just hired this clairvoyant and she was in the kitchen, he was in the kitchen, she was in the other room reading people's lives. And she pointed through the door and she went, you, and started prophesying falsely, counterfeit prophecies over his life. And he thought, wow, that's pretty spot on. How does she know that? And it drew him in. See, it's kind of a counterfeit faith that drew him in. And he got a chair and sat down. And you know what she said? She said, in three years, you're going to lose this finger. And he went, ugh. And exactly three years later, he lost his finger. And what happened was she saw something in the heavenlies, but she prophesied in demonically, put a curse on him. Am I making sense? So these clairvoyants and witches will see the plans of hell, see the plans of the demonic realm, and they'll actually, by, by a counterfeit faith, put it on you as a curse. Does that make sense? See, it's witchcraft. But some, some prophets in the body of Christ can do the same thing by default. Did you know that? Sorry? Yeah. They can do it without really knowing. They can sort of stir up fear. They get warnings like, oh, you know, you had a dream of a car accident. Oh, that's not good. That's, uh, you need to get your affairs in order. Now, let's eat, you know. <laughs> and what happens is that you actually, the fear is stirring up on that poor person. And what's happening, the laws of attraction are coming into play. And curses can be put on people. Now, when you have a nightmare 
something like that of you having a car accident or your son or daughter might have a car accident or your son and daughter might die in a dream, I see that as a blessing. And you go, why would you see that as a blessing? Well, I see that as a blessing because God is actually removing the veil of the plans of the enemy. And we have authority to govern the kingdom. We have authority to govern the heavenlies, all right, to shut down the plans of hell, mess up hell, reverse curses and release blessings and decree thy will be done, your kingdom come over that situation as it is in heaven. Amen? That's what God wants called us to do. It's called governing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And some prophets operate in the heavenlies, which can be the second heaven realm, and see all these horrible things, and they walk around in depression because they're not actually operating in the third realm with God, seated in heavenly places. As it says in Ephesians 2, 6, we've been raised up with Christ, seated in heavenly realms. That's our position. And as Paul was talking about meditation or or your thought pattern has a lot to do with your life. God wants us to meditate on the word day and night. And it says, set your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated and start meditating on your inheritance. And did you know that your inheritance is that you are part of the royal family? Did you know you're part of the royal family? You, you need to really find out who you are or were before the foundations of the earth. That's why the Lord said to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. See, you were designed for greatness. Did you know that? You were part of, you've been adopted back to be part of the royal family. And if you understand your inheritance, that you are part of the kingdom of heaven, and you can govern the kingdom like Christ did, because he's the prototype, the forerunner, you can have authority to change atmospheres, you have authority to mess up hell, and you have authority to be a revivalist with legs. Am I making sense? So this is what my revelation is, which has changed. I've seen so many miracles happen all over the world. And this comes out of the intimacy and knowing my identity that I am a son and I'm part of the royal family. I'm a prince. Amen? Now, warnings, this woman said to me, getting back to this woman, she said, oh, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, metaphorically, if your son dies or someone dies in your family, it could mean an end of a relationship. doesn't necessarily have to be literally death. But also it could be spiritually death. He, he could be a warning that he could be spiritually in jeopardy. He could, be, he could spiritually die. She went, oh, I never thought of that way. She said, funny you say that, but he's, he was a worship leader, but he's left that and he wants to join some ungodly rock band. I said, hello. Does that make sense? I said, let's pray. So over Skype, started praying. We started taking authority, taking charge over the atmosphere, over the heavenlies, and we started decreeing and smashing the plans of hell and reversing the curses with blessings. And then what happened? He decided to stay with the worship group and he didn't go join the band. Am I making sense? We see things happen like this all the time. So if you have nightmares, all right, it could be the Lord revealing the plans of hell to you so you have authority. Now, sometimes you can have nightmares 
some of you might have nightmares because you meditate on the wrong things. See, <clears throat> your dream life can have a lot to do with what you meditate on. If you meditate on violence, you might have dreams that are violent because what you're doing, you actually, if you keep pursuing that with your mind, you're opening up the wrong door. Okay? And listen to this. If you meditate, now some of us struggle, right? And I've dealt with a lot of this, but I'm always on my guard. But you, and we're all adults here, but some of us meditate on things that might be lustful. And if you open up the wrong door, you can have a spirit of lust attack you at night. And it's the wrong door that's been opened. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he said that uh, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committing adultery with her. So something's actually happening in the spirit. It's really happening. So you're actually opening a door and something's actually happening in the spirit. That's why it says, if your right eye causes you sin, gouge it out. It doesn't mean literally gouge out your right eye. It's talking about the members of your body. But what does a right eye metaphorically mean? Your, your actual spiritual eye. And if your imagination causes you to sin, you need to change it, shut it down and change it dramatically. And meditation, and let me say this, devotions play a big part in meditation did you know that i love task praying i do that a lot but i have a I pray in tongues and i meditate on the word of god day and night and it says in psalms one if you meditate on the word day and night you're like a tree connected planted next to the stream the spirit of god represents that and then you'll bear fruit during a tough season and also says it in Jeremiah 17. See, it also says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, if you meditate on my laws and my word, you'll become successful. So what happens is devotions is, plays a big part of meditation and what you focus on. And I actually meditate on the word and on the promises, and I meditate on my inheritance and who I am, and I meditate and I imagine myself doing it and that's when it becomes easy, starts to happen on cruise control and I start to see the miraculous because you actually open a door in the spirit realm and it's actually the door is Jesus. And that's why you become a gate because it says in Psalms 24, lift up your head, O you gates, and allow the King of glory come in. And lifting up your head, for me, my revelation is lifting up your head is a form of, of meditation and looking to God with your spiritual eyes. And that's when Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see scary things, when you see these things happen, lift up your head because your redemption is near. So in other words, when you see things going on around you that look scary, intimidating, or you struggle with certain things that, you're, that you've been meditating on, Start changing your thought pattern towards the promises of God and your identity and you will open the door because Jesus is standing at the door knocking in Revelation 3.20. He's standing at the door and he'll come in and eat with us. Am I making sense? See, our mind is very powerful. Automatically, we think of the worst, don't we? I mean, that's just natural. When... Your loved one hasn't come home for two hours. You don't know where they are. Automatically, you start meditating. You're thinking they're not dead on the side of the road in a car wreck. 
Sometimes we can think like that. Am I, am I making sense? We can automatically think like that, all right? But God wants us to discipline our minds to come into perfect peace, as it says in Isaiah 26, verse 2 and 3. It says, set fast our mind towards the Lord, and you'll come into perfect peace. And the mind talks about yetzer in the, in the Hebrew. It's yetzer, which means creative imagination. So your devotion, your thought patterns have a lot to do with your encounters and your dreams. Amen? Now, I'm going to do some demonstration. Are you ready? You guys good with this? Am I making sense or am I waffling on? I just want to make sure that you guys have understanding with this. You see... People say to me, well, what about the Word of God, brother? I say, well, the Word of God's very important. And I listen to it day and night. I listen to the Word. I don't read it a lot. I listen to it. Someone said to me once in Germany, where's your, where's your Bible, brother, Adam? You don't have your, because the tradition is you've got to have your Bible with you. And I went, well, I actually, I ate it. <laughs> Well, it's true because I listen to it day and night and I pray in the Spirit. Yeah, it says eat the scroll. He said that this morning, eat the scroll. I eat it. I actually get it in my spirit. I meditate on it. I, it's called gurgitating, getting it in your spirit. And when you're praying the Holy Ghost and you come in that place of meditation, you're meditating on the Word day and night, it actually divides soul and spirit as it says in Hebrews. The Word of God divides soul and spirit. And when I fast, pray in tongues, it helps me to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying to my spirit man. Did you know that? Do you know, someone said to me, I never fast. And I said, well, you do every day. You go on a very long sleep. Most, you know, every night you might go on a sleep for about six hours, perhaps. Do you, how long do you sleep? Oh, seven hours. Okay, well, that's actually a fast. Because <laughs> when you wake up, you have breakfast. It's the longest period where you don't eat. And what happens is towards the end, before you wake up, how many of you notice your dreams are more vivid? Because what happens is when you fast, the old covenant fasting is more like, Lord, I need a breakthrough. I need to win this battle. Well, the battle's already won through Christ, by the way. And that's an Old Testament type of fasting. But the new covenant fasting is like this. As you fast... Not to get a breakthrough because you already have your breakthrough, but you fast so that it helps you to be, to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying to your spirit man and what your emotions are telling you. Did you know that? So I fast a lot and I, I've been doing it for years, but what happens, it helps me to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying to my spirit man. When I'm in that praying in the spirit, I'm very sensitive and I know what my emotions are telling me. And the sons of God are led by the Spirit. Amen? And when you dream, right, towards the, after the fourth watch, your dreams can be very vivid because you haven't eaten. You're on a very short fast. And you have these very vivid dreams. Because your mind 
is in sleep mode or I should say your brain's in sleep mode, your mind is shut down, but you're still dreaming because your spirit man lives for eternity. Amen? And I really believe that the Word of God has got to be in you. You need to feed yourself with the Word of God day and night because with all this prophetic giftings that we have, and when we allow the prophetic giftings operate in the body of Christ, the Word of God is a, is, a, is a foundational understanding we must have. Am I making sense? We need the foundational understanding of the Word of God all right, to qualify it. Because I had a vision once of a big jar of wheat. And the Lord said, that's you, Adam. I said, okay. So what it is, is the Logos. I'm just feeding myself my memory bank with the Logos over and over and over. I'm just feeding it. I can just rattle out scriptures over and over and over but what happens is a dream and a vision can bring rima so a dream and a vision can be the word of the lord when joseph psalms 105 it says joseph was shackled shackled hand and foot and sent ahead of his brothers so the word of the lord can be tested i think it's verse 17 to 19 you go, okay, what was the word of the Lord? There was no Bible back then or no Torah. Joseph was shackled hand and foot, sent ahead of his brothers so the word of the Lord can be tested. Okay, what was the word of the Lord? It's a dream. Amen? Visions can be the word of the Lord. Paul the, Paul the apostle, when he prayed in tongues, he says in 2 Corinthians 12 he goes i go on with visions and revelation samuel one of the greatest prophets in first samuel chapter 3 he was under eli and before the lord spoke to him it says as you read it it says this is first one it says this is the time where the word of the lord was rare there weren't many visions so I just wanted to qualify that today for some of us who might be a bit, yeah, I'm not sure about these dreams and visions, but it's actually real. It's throughout the Gospels. It's throughout the Old Testament. And in fact, there's a couple of dreams that saved the redemption plan of God that saved Herod from murdering Jesus. Amen? Am I making sense today? Now what I want to do is I want to do some ministry now. And when I minister... I always like to acknowledge the Holy Spirit and just go on a bit of free worship because if you're going to be prophesying and you're going to be prophetically ministering in, the, in this gathering or any gathering, you need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit and have a little time of just worshipping and honouring the Lord. Amen? Because what happens, you know you're in a safe place and you're flowing and then you know that you're actually... You're in a place where the Holy Spirit is with you and he's the one that gets the glory and he's the one that expresses revelation. Amen? Amen.